welcome to Bloody Mary, a podcast about horror movies, sexuality, and feminism. I'm your host, Chicago comic Kristen Ryan, and today with us we have very special guests. We have Lady Sophia, a Chicago dominatrix. Hello. <laughs> Hi. Uh, yeah, so I'm, I was really excited about this interview uh, as soon as we scheduled it. I have never met a dominatrix before. Really? Or you know, that I know of, I guess. You know what? You might have met us before. We don't. You can see me today. You know, I'm in a sweater and blue jeans. I don't look very dominatrixy. Mm -hmm. So on occasion when we're off duty, we kind of blend in. Great. A little and, bit. Uh, I was looking over your website. Mm -hmm. uh, I was curious. I just want to know, like, what a day in the life is like <laughs> for you. Um, well, the the interesting part of being a dominatrix is the sessions, the time you actually spend with clients. But typically, those are just an hour to maybe three hours on average. The rest of the time is all the mundane things that everybody else has to do in life. So it's a lot of answering emails, a lot of cleaning uh, equipment and stuff like that that is really, really boring that nobody cares about. <laughs> so do you do all the business aspects of your dungeons yes, as well? Yes, yes. Um, so I'm an independent dominatrix, which means um, I run my own business you know, promoting myself. And then I happen to own two BDSM dungeons for rent in Chicago. So I also operate those and rent them out to other dominatrixes um, and to couples and photographers as well. So people sometimes rent them by the hour, sometimes rent them overnight. Cool. It's a lot of fun. Uh, yeah, and I was also curious, what led you to become a dominatrix? What made you just <laughs> wake up one day and be like, this is me now? Oh, well, um, Guess you got to go back just a little bit, but in college I was a gender studies major at DePaul, and right out of college I went, okay, what can you do with a, a gender studies degree? And at the time it was still women's studies. Uh, what can you do with a women's studies degree? Mm -hmm. And there aren't a ton of answers to that question. <laughs> I am a liberal arts degree. Okay. <laughs> yeah. So it, it was great at the time, and then afterwards mm -hmm. I'm like, oh god, what am I going to do? Um, and I ended up getting a job as a rape crisis counselor, and then I got a second job as a sex educator at a little feminist sex toy store in Chicago called Early to Bed. Oh, I've been there. Yeah. Great store. I love it. So that was well over a decade ago, and eh, maybe like four years later, flash forward, um, I decided that I really, really wanted to try to be a dominatrix. One friend of mine was one. She had let me see one of her scenes one time, let me sit in on it, and I was just floored. It was so cool. Um, the energy back and forth between her and her client, how much she trusted her, was just amazing. And a um, little tiny bit more backstory is that in that in-between time, between starting working early to bed and then becoming a dominatrix, um, I had done phone sex for about three, three years or so. So that bridged the gap. I had three years of practice of getting people really excited without ever touching them, mm. which was actually very, very good practice for being a dominatrix because we don't have sex with anybody. Yeah, I read that on your website too. I yeah. also, uh, I wonder how, how often that happens to you, like people yeah. proposition assume. you in that way or assume, oh. yeah. Clients are pretty good because usually if that happens to come up because they don't know better or they mm -hmm. assume, you know, oh, she says that, but she doesn't really mean it kind of a thing, mm -hmm. um, usually get shut down pretty quick. And then if they're still interested, they'll come to see me. Yeah, it doesn't happen that often. I always assume people know, but then I find out from time to time, no, they think I have sex with, with people while wearing 
leather and spanking them and stuff, and that doesn't happen. Oh, the yeah. leather and spanking does. The sex doesn't. <laughs> <laughs> cool. That's all. Really, what was the phone sex experience like? It was very cool. I actually started um, not doing phone sex per se, but sex advice on a phone line. And um, you can imagine what phone sex would be like. You know, mm-hmm. you're getting phone calls all day, you know, dirty talking to people, stuff like that. Well, there was another branch of the same company that had these phone sex lines that also had very vanilla non-sex lines that you could call for, like, advice or for horoscopes and stuff like that. Some oh. of it was really cheesy. Other things were, <laughs> like... It sounds really sweet. Yeah, it's, it was cute. And there are different lines, like, you know, help me with my computer. How do I file my taxes? I have a legal question. But they're all phone lines. And I was like, this is great. I am really knowledgeable about sex and sex education. I could be a sex advice phone person. I don't know if there's really a name for it. And I was. It was great. And then I got a notice one day from the the company saying, hey, somebody told us you're doing phone sex. And I was like, no, 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 I'm not, not. I'm, I'm just talking about sex on the phone, but there's no phone sex. It even says yeah. like in my ad, no sex, yeah. no phone sex. <laughs> just so nobody's, you know, disappointed. And they said, sorry, we're moving you over to the phone sex department. You know, you can't be part of the regular stuff anymore. Oh. And they said, you know, once we move anyone, they don't get to move back. You're, you're stuck there. Wow. And so I continued just giving advice. And, you know, eventually I was like, ah, everybody wants to have phone sex. Ah, I'll try it a couple times. See what this mm-hmm. is like. And it was so much fun. It does it, sound it's like It's all play acting. <laughs> you know, it's, it's a really good time. And um, I turned out to be really good at it. So That's it, awesome. it definitely, it helped put me through grad school. Nice. There's a little bit like creative writing in it, you know? Yeah. There's a lot of creative aspects to it. A lot of performance aspects. Cool. What would you say that your favorite part of your job is? Oh, my favorite part of my job. Mm, you know, it really is the session time, you know, one-on-one mm-hmm. with people. That's, that's the exciting part. Oh, I bet. And like, I was curious, like in creating a scene, do people mm-hmm. just like send you an email of what they want? Ah, or? yes. Sometimes um, the communication is just done by email, and we talk a little bit. They'll give me kind of bullet points of things that they're interested in. Um, or other people want elaborate role plays, and they'll send me long scripts or stories. Do you have to remember the script? Um, most folks are pretty forgiving with that. Either it's okay if you just get the gist of it, mm-hmm. or if they really do want those words, you know, I tell them flat out, I'm going to hold on to this script. I'm not going <laughs> to memorize it. <laughs> um, which, like I said, that's rare. Folks just pick from... You know, there. if you saw my website, it's similar to a lot of other Dom's websites where there's a tremendous list of things that I enjoy doing and that I'm skilled at doing. Mm-hmm. So bondages on there, spankings on there. Um, I like working with people who are foot fetishists, so that's on there. If they hit any of those bullet points, then we're a really good match. If they ask for something that just I don't do, like mm-hmm. uh, smoking fetish is something I don't do, I don't smoke, I'll steer them in another direction. I'll recommend them to friends or things like that. Mm-hmm. Um, but otherwise, as long as they're interested in the same things as me, we'll have a little bit of a conversation. But they're really just giving me those bullet points, putting them in my hands. And then once they do finally walk through the door, we end up having a five to ten minute conversation just so I can get a feel for them and where they're really coming from, making sure nothing was lost in translation with the emails or on a phone call. And then it's kind of like improv at that point. Mm-hmm. You know, they give me a whole bunch of things. I have to meld them together. Sometimes they really don't go together and you have to make it work. Mm-hmm. Um, or, you know, they give you two things and you got to fill two hours with it. It's it's fun. It's a challenge. It does sound like it'd be really mentally stimulating. It, it is. And then you have to be, you have to do it well enough and be 
present enough with it that the person's going to want to come back again. You can't, was, you can't do it poorly. <laughs> I was wondering that too. Is there ever a day where you just feel like, ah, I mean, I've phoned it in sometimes, yeah. but it's a little different in an office. <laughs> uh, when I've had office jobs, I definitely phoned it in. Uh-huh. Um, it's, it's tough as a nominatrix, although if somebody doesn't have really, um, you know, deep needs for certain things, it's not a really emotionally heavy thing, it's just something fun, mm-hmm. um, then me phoning it in a little bit mm-hmm. is really just the level that they need anyways, if that makes sense. Yeah, it does. There are other folks who this is something really pivotal in their life and they've never told anybody, you know, I want to be present and, you know, I, I, uh, laser, laser focus is what happens then. Yeah. And I suppose like this interaction is a lot more intense and interesting than data entry. So it's, you know, yes, (laughs) (laughs) no offense to any data, data entry folks. Sorry. It is more interesting. No, that's, I was really interested by all this. And uh, I yeah. like the aspect so much that you have total control over who you see yeah. and don't see. That's so important. Yeah, that's one thing I, uh, I'm surprised that uh, doesn't come through sometimes is folks think we will see anybody who contacts us or, you know, kind of like anybody who th- walks through the door. Mm-hmm. And no, I turn down lots of people. Um, an independent professional dominatrix who does this full time sees maybe two to four clients a week. And that is a successful independent dominatrix. Mm-hmm. That's how many you end up seeing. And it's not nearly as many as a lot of folks think. Every now and then I'll see somebody for the first time. They're like, oh, you know, do you have a lot of people coming in after me? I'm like, no, dude, you're the only person today. Mm. You know, my, my entire, you know, world is focused on you right now. That's why, you know, it costs a lot because it takes a lot of time to do it right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I've read a lot of your reviews. People are really, like, they speak very highly of you. Oh, thank you. I'm, I'm flattered that you read any reviews. <laughs> and, and are still talking with me after reading them. There are a couple I need to take down. <laughs> no way. Um, so I'm curious, Sophia, what was the first horror movie you remember seeing? Oh, goodness. I was thinking back on that today, and I had to have been maybe six, seven years old, and I saw The Blob with my with my father okay and that scared the pants off me (laughs) I did not want to take a shower or be in the tub by myself I was so terrified that the blob would come through oh yeah the the fixtures oh yeah and I haven't watched it since is the other thing I don't remember what movie it was I was ghoulies I think really the the, like the guy comes up the toilet you know the little green guy and just no, the movie, he's I don't on the movie poster, and I oh. feel you on the back. I could not like sit on the <laughs> toilet for a long time. <laughs> oh my god! Well, really cro- close runner-up to that was probably around the same time we had a babysitter who just exhibited incredibly poor judgment and decided to let me and my younger sister watch Gremlins. And for you know six, seven, maybe at a stretch, eight years old, that was a terrifying movie. Mm-hmm. Gremlins was terrifying. For years, I couldn't sleep if, you know, if my foot hung off the bed, worried that something was under the bed kind of a thing. Mm-hmm. Oh, my God. It scared me so badly. And my parents, instead of trying to squash any of the fear, they thought it was kind of cute. And so... <laughs> so cute that you're afraid. It's so cute that you're terrified of these monsters. <laughs> no, every now and then, we'd go for a walk around the neighborhood in the evening, um, and my dad would bring a flashlight with him, and he'd go, oh, did you see that over there? And shine the flashlight. He's like, you didn't see that run? We're like, what? what? What did you see under the car over there? He's like, I think it might be a gremlin. I don't know. And, you know, messed with us for, for a long time. <laughs> I 
That's another movie I have not seen since because I just, I can't, I can't see it again. Yeah, I've only done, this is my fourth interview for the podcast, but mm -hmm. um, parents delighting in children's fear <laughs> seems to be a pretty common theme. It's come up too. <laughs> yeah. Oh my God. Because parenting's hard. You need thrills when you can. <laughs> I'll, I'll let it stand at that, yeah. Yeah, so uh, how do you feel about horror as a genre, like now, as an adult? Mm, I love it. Mm -hmm. I think it's because, um, for me, I have so much control over those really scary parts of life. I can watch it in my living room. I can turn it off when, mm. you know, I've had enough. The, the control over those really intense feelings is uh, something I really like a lot. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I am not surprised that the dominatrix appreciates the aspect of control. Oh, you know what? Yeah, that's a good point. <laughs> I do like control a lot. <laughs> All right. Well, Sophia chose for us to watch as her favorite horror movie, You're Next, which is the 2011 horror comedy from director Adam Wingard. Uh, a lot of critics wrote it off as a home invasion flick, uh, very similar to The Purge or um, mm. The Strangers. Uh, but it definitely had a twist, and that twist came in the character Aaron, who fights back against the mysterious Oh, do we have invaders. to say spoiler alert anywhere here? Oh, yeah, we should just, uh, you know, this film's been out for a lot of years. It's great, uh, and you know that on Bloody Mary, we talk about everything in its entirety, so yeah. there will spoiler. be a lot of spoilers yeah. there. Okay, because I want to talk about all of it. I love this movie so much. Yes. Uh, yeah, so let's get into it. What made you choose your next? Um, it's a movie that I've seen recently for me. It was between this and The Babadook. Oh, that's a good one. That's too. a really good one. That one's a little heavier. This one, I never, I didn't actually realize until you read the synopsis that it was a horror comedy, but I guess that's right. It is. Mm -hmm. It had some comedic moments. Um, I don't know. It's just one of the most recent horror movies I've seen that I just went, wow. I want to watch that again. I want to tell my friends to watch that. That was awesome. And it has a strong female protagonist. I, oh, I yes. have a hard time turning down those films. Oh, yeah. I love this group of people associated with this production. It's uh, A.J. Bowman, Ty West, Joe Swamberg. They've, you know, worked together on The House of the Devil, this film, You're Next, and The Sacrament. And I just, oh. I love everything they do together so oh, much. Oh, cool. I didn't know that. Yeah. And actually, um, I didn't know this either until last night. My friend told me Joe Swamberg, the character of Drake, is actually a Chicago guy. He, really? Yeah, he's a director, and he lives here. Huh. So if you're listening, hello. <laughs> <laughs> Loved you in the movie. <laughs> Can really take a beating. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he just would not die. No. Uh, um, yeah, I wanted to ask too, did you relate to any of these characters in the film? Uh, you know, I'd like to think I'm like Aaron. Mm -hmm. You know, just a complete badass who would, you know, kick everybody's butt. Well, Save the day. I, yeah, and I was actually thinking about that when we were watching the film. Or I was watching the film because... She has this identity that people wouldn't automatically guess, you know, when they meet you. Mm -hmm. And I was just wondering if that jumped out at you as well. Like, Erin, mm. um, for, uh, for those of you who haven't just recently watched the movie, uh, she's the main character who grew up in a survivalist compound in Australia and is the girlfriend of Crispin, who mysteriously disappears and later we find out is one of the murderers. I couldn't remember the first time I watched it until now that she doesn't even come out and say that she lived on a survivalist compound until maybe halfway into the movie. It took a while for that to even come up. Yes. 
And I was like, oh, this is great. You know, I was turning to the person I was watching this. I was like, see, did you hear that? Isn't that cool? <laughs> you know, in the back of my head, I have a fantasy about being, you know, like picture zombie apocalypse, like mm-hmm. total badass who could survive oh, and yeah. um, just in control again, in control mm-hmm. of everything. <laughs> and so, you know, Erin would be like my alter ego. She's fantastic. Yeah. Very unassuming too, yes. And I love that scene where she does reveal that uh, she grew up in the survivalist compound because that's when V, the other female character, is kind of trying to size her up yes. and maybe kill her. And then she's like, and just like back off. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, a little bit, little bit tougher than I thought kind yeah. of at the moment. Yeah, she does some of the most creative things. Yeah, she's creative is a very good word for it. Uh, it's like an adult version of Home Alone is what it turns oh yeah. into. <laughs> Definitely. That's a good summation. Yeah, that first scene where we see her go to town with the meat tenderizer. Oh, yes. Like, holy shit. Oh, wow. I forgot about the meat tenderizer. Yeah, she really nails this guy. And just when I think she's going to stop hitting him in the head, she continues to hit him in the head. <laughs> Do you remember that episode of The Simpsons where an, there was an attack like that? And then one know. of the kids just starts screaming, he's already dead. <laughs> that sounds exactly like this scene, actually. It did. And, and the sound effects were, were great. Oh. I mean, you could just hear it was a melon being smashed oh, further yeah. and further and further into pulp. And I love that scene so much because Felix and uh, Z just mm-hmm. kind of like, like you don't know that they're bad guys at that point. So but they just look disgusted <laughs> yeah. and horrified, and she's dripping with brains and blood all over her face. And she's like, "Do you guys know him?" And <laughs> yeah. like, Picks him up by the back of the head. You know what little hair he has left on his scalp. She pulls him up. And they just shake their heads in silence. No, no, we don't know. It's hard to tell now. <laughs> yeah, I think that's what that they said. That was so great. That was, uh, you know, one of my favorite scenes. <laughs> and, you know, it was so refreshing to see a skillful lead uh, character as a woman in mm-hmm. that role. Because I feel so often in horror movies, women end up being the final character just out of chance or luck you know yeah that's a good point she is definitely not the last character out of chance or luck and i was watching at this time looking for anything that might might sexualize aaron in any particular way and that's another thing that was wonderfully absent from this movie yeah she wasn't wearing revealing clothing or clothing that got torn off and was you know exposing lots of skin not that there's anything wrong with any of that but it was just nice to see something different. She was just a badass. She was a yeah. beautiful person. Mm-hmm. But it was more about her skills than about anything else. Definitely. And there were some interesting moments between the female characters. Like, um, oh, what is her name? Kelly, Drake's wife. Oh, yeah. Like, the very conservative wife. Yeah, instantly talking shit about Aaron. Like, her accent's just so jarring. Jarring. <laughs> like, when have you ever heard someone say, like, oh, an Australian accent? That's just awful. I know. Yeah. When I heard her talk for the first time, I'm like, oh, that's such a beautiful accent. Oh, yeah. There's, like, some weird jealousy component happening there. You know, I hope somebody out there says, oh, I love those Chicago accents. Those are so <laughs> sexy. Somebody in the UK right now is listening to us going, God, those Chicago girls. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> You just uh, hear the Miller High Life and sausages. Oh, it's fabulous. Mm -hmm. (laughs) But no, that's that's one of the main reasons I was so excited you chose this film, because Aaron is such a compelling character. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it's interesting in the beginning, 
like you you cheer for her you know like saving herself yeah and then she kind of like evolves into a machine that can't stop killing oh that's an interesting insight yeah yeah uh, although you know what it seems like she makes very calculated decisions about it Mm -hmm. um you know, and it's a complete spoiler. At the end of the movie, when she's confronted again with her boyfriend, Crispin, who mm-hmm. turns out was helping to plan all these murders, and he was a big wimp, and so he oh, scurried yeah. off because he couldn't <laughs> even see the blood. He's the last person left. She's the last, you know, potential victim left. And, you know, he tries to win her over, you know. Oh, oh you were supposed scene. to be alive. You know, you're supposed to be the, the one witness. We were never going to harm Baby, you. I wouldn't kill you. I wouldn't kill you, sweetie, kind of a thing. And she stabs him in the neck. Yeah. And he goes, why? And she says, why not? Yeah. (laughs) It's like, you fucker, of course I'm going to stab you in the neck. I love that scene where he's bargaining with her so much. Yes. Because it starts out like... And she's silent as he does this. He is just, it's this incredible monologue of him trying to bargain with her. Oh, yeah. Starts with a vacation to Paris. Yep. Then, oh, I thought maybe with engagement we get married. (laughs) Oh, since you said that, let me put my knife down. No. Oh, and then he goes to, we could pay off your student loan. I know. Oh, he (laughs) he even said an actual number. I want to say he said 40,000 to your student loan. He said 500,000. 500, oh, okay. That's more significant. Okay. I thought it was less than that. And I was like, really? That's all you're giving her? No, okay. 500,000. That's up. It was 500 grand. And I remember that because (sighs) I was thinking, oh, that's all yeah let's talk about crispin a little bit he is a piece of shit oh my god yes i like that you brought up that he's a wimp he is such a wimp it, it's the fact that he's a wimp and he seems to have no conscience about any of this that, that mm-hmm. makes it that bad some people are kind of wimpy that's okay mm-hmm. uh, you know it's for us stronger people to take care of those wimps yeah that, that's that's just life happy to take care of the wimps but he was just a despicable person <laughs> all the way around. Um, it was obvious he'd been bullied by his uh, siblings. You know, his brother was teasing him for being fat. Oh, yeah. And, you know, saying all sorts of stuff under his breath at the dinner table. <laughs> I mean, they sounded like children arguing. And it was so, so terrible to see. Although, my okay, though, with him being a wimp, my favorite point was Crispin disappears during mm-hmm. the middle of the movie. And... I can't remember who says to Aaron, oh, don't worry, Crispin will be okay, he's tough. And she turns to him and says, no, he's not, but that's nice of you to say. (laughs) (laughs) That was a great moment of honesty. I love that. Uh, That's when you love somebody for who they are, you know? You know he's a wimp. It's okay. Yeah. Until you find out he's also a murderer. Yeah, and some of the things he said, like specifically on that phone call Mm -hmm. that he made at the end where he thought he was talking to his brother Felix. Yes. He's like, you know I'm a pacifist. I'm a pacifist. Oh, (laughs) but I can pay somebody to kill her. Oh, God. Yeah, that was terrible. And then he was whining for him to answer, and he kept saying, come on, Felix, it's cold out here. And, like, him and Felix just are the most awful trust fund kids ever. Yes. Oh, they were so terrible. I couldn't wait for them to get theirs. Yeah. Especially, like, in those self-centered statements, Felix had a lot of them. Mm -hmm. Um, The one that jumps out most particular is when he kills his brother, Drake. Uh Uh-huh. And by stabbing him. Yes. And says, would you just die? This is already tough enough for me or something? This is hard for me. Yeah, this is hard for me. (laughs) 
<laughs> you fucking asshole. They're all just so unbelievably self-centered. Uh-huh. Oh, wow. And re-watching it, like when I watched it the first time, like Felix and Crispin being the bad guys and, and Z, like it surprised me. Mm-hmm. But like going back and re-watching, it yeah. felt like really obvious. Yeah, it, it was kind too? of fun re-watching it mm-hmm. and looking for any foreshadowing of certain things. I always like that in movies too, because mm-hmm. there's a scene where um, Aaron uses a, oh, a camera and it's strobe flash to catch a bunch of pictures to distract somebody oh, yeah. and you know there's a moment when they say oh do you happen to have a camera to take a picture kind of thing I'm like oh they're getting the camera ready oh they're getting the Vicodin ready for when he gets you know uh an arrow in the back you know mm-hmm. they have all these things coming up but yeah what you said about knowing whether or not they were the bad guys I had no idea yeah and then rewatching it, Felix said all these things, like whenever something bad happened, he would like jump to an explanation so quickly. Yeah. And uh, like, oh, there was a murder scene happening downstairs and like he came down after mm-hmm. and then he was like very clear to be like, oh, we didn't come down because we heard noises. Like <laughs> I was not talking to the murderers. They were sleeping. Like, <laughs> Oh... Actually, that reminds me of a terrible, the terrible scene with him and uh, Z, his girlfriend. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) With, um, they're they're sitting on the bed. His mother has been murdered. Her dead body is on the bed. Mm -hmm. And Z starts to straddle Felix and starts to kiss him (laughs) because she wants to make out, wants to have sex. And he just turns to her and is like, no, no, not right now. She goes, what? You never want to do anything interesting. Why won't you fuck me next to your dead mother? And, oh, my God. Yeah. That, like, in that moment, like, my stomach turned. I was like, this girl's messed up. Mm-hmm. But I did love that line. Like, you never want to do anything interesting. interesting. There's a lot of whining in this movie. Yeah. Like There's a lot of whining. Breaths. Yeah. Yeah, and the mom actually, I didn't realize this because she looks so young. Mm-hmm. Is um, that's Barbara Crampton, who was mm-hmm. like a huge '80s horror star. Really? Yeah, she was in Reanimator, uh, Castle Freak, Puppet Master, and oh. Lords of Salem. I think that was like late '90s. Whoa! I don't know that I've seen any of those, and now I kind of want to. Yeah, but Barbara Crampton, you look amazing. Yeah, she did. She looked really amazing. <laughs> she looked. Yeah, she really did look like one of the very daughters. youthful. Yeah. Uh, speaking of the daughters, <laughs> oh, is it Kelly? Amy. Amy. Kelly is the wife. Oh yeah. Um, Amy she... is the daughter. Oh, that scene. <laughs> well, you know what? As soon as she arrived at the house for this dinner. And she comes up to the front door and says, Mommy and Daddy. Anyone who says Mommy and Daddy. Oh, I'm like, oh, I'm, I'm looking forward to you dying. If anyone has yeah. to die. Actually, that's all I had in my notes is a grown woman that uses the term Daddy. Okay, <laughs> thank you. We are on the same page. And that scene uh, where she's just, where they decide, <clears throat> like, the only way that they can survive is for Amy to run full speed out of the house and try and go get help because she went so bizarre she was on track well and it turned into this oddly competitive you know nobody ever gives me any credit for anything you know um I'm I'm a really fast runner I bet I can get out to the car and and get help and you know Crispin's you know kind of stealthfully volunteered but Amy goes no I'm gonna do it I'm gonna save everybody yeah like Crispin could run right no he's not gonna (laughs) run 
No. Yeah, for you know what's interesting? Like the first time I saw that movie and she hit the wire, mm-hmm. I laughed really hard. And then like the second time I watched it, I felt weird and sad about it. And then last night I watched it again and I laughed again. Oh yeah. <laughs> so I go back and forth a lot. I don't remember if I ever laughed at it, but I know last time I knew it was coming. And I did one of those things where I kind of like covered my face. I could oh, see yeah. a little bit because it was it was hard to watch. That mm-hmm. is that was one of the up close gory things that I had trouble watching with her neck. Oh yeah, it, it was, was a very clean slice ugh. through her neck. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, so then the last characters we have to talk about are Drake and Kelly. <laughs> yeah, and Kelly doesn't really. She's not a whole lot of a character, but she does have an amazing scene. Which one? Kelly is the one that escapes and runs to the neighbor's house and thinks like it's going to be, hooray, we're going to be saved. And she finds the dead body of the neighbor sitting on the sofa. All to the tune of looking for the magic. I know. Oh, you know what? I love love a good movie that has some song that you can never, you know, separate from that movie ever again when you hear it. And that definitely is one of them. Yeah, my mind went directly to uh, Reservoir Dogs. That scene with the ear. Oh, yeah. That was one of those, like, because it's just such, like, delightful poppy music. And, you know, she's struggling through broken glass. And then, you know, she looks up and realizes the neighbor's dead. Mm -hmm. It's so disturbing, but yet to a really good beat. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, God. (laughs) Oh. That was hard to watch. Yeah. Oh, man. Especially the way they ended her. Like yeah. A golf it was a golf swing yeah. with an axe. Oof. With her head on the floor. It was terrible. I kind of wonder more. I want to know more about the other uh, murderers for hire. You know, we knew two of them were brothers. Mm-hmm. There, were, there were three total. Three guys yes. with the animal masks on. Mm-hmm. Two were brothers, and we knew that they served together. So they were military of some kind. Yeah, and I was kind of curious how these people would meet each other. Yeah, well, I mean, Felix seemed to be, I could picture him being some, a rich kid who wanted to kind of slum it, for lack of a better word, Mm -hmm. with with unsavory types. You know, I could picture that. Yeah, I could see that too. Where you're just waving money at them. Mm -hmm. You know, you do this for me. I also picked up... uh, a very interesting theme along the lines of like professors having relations with their graduate assistants. Yes, there were two of those <laughs> yeah. happening, weren't there? Yeah. Oh, now that you point that out, interesting. Yeah, because at first, that neighbor's house, they uh, the parents were talking about them when they drove mm-hmm. up, and it was a professor who had left his wife for a younger graduate assistant. Yes. Murdered, and then Crispin was mm-hmm. a bit of a, um, a lecherous old man professor. <laughs> <laughs> And now I'm actually, my new position, I am uh, the union representative for the graduate employees at UIC. Really? Yeah. (laughs) Congratulations. thank you. I started a few months ago, so it kind of ties into my life a little bit. Huh. Something to identify with. Mm Mm-hmm. But yeah, I guess the underlying theme is uh, don't have sex with your coworkers. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, good rule of thumb. Yeah. Oh, oh, so then the last character (laughs) we have to discuss is Drake, who is like, I get the feeling from the first half of the film that mm-hmm. he's, like, parents' favorite, you know. It seemed that way, yeah. Mm-hmm, definitely. And, mm-hmm. like, you kind of don't like him in the beginning. No, and I know he doesn't become any better of a human being, but I do start to feel for him more as the movie yeah. goes on. <laughs> you know, he, he's he's badly wounded, 
one of those things where, you know, if I bump my head on, I don't know, on the coffee table or something when I bend down to pick something up, you know, I'm out of commission for 20 minutes. I want to put some ice on it. Mm-hmm. This person was shot with an arrow in the back <laughs> and he is still going. He is stabbed multiple times in the chest. He is still going. Yeah. Um, I don't know how realistic some of that is. Oh yeah. Especially. Uh, I mean, there's adrenaline. I got that, but wow. I love the scene where he, like, he goes outside and he hits the arrow on the wire. (gasps) Yes! And then rips it out out of his back. (laughs) And just passes out. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Well, that's right when the arrow hits him is the first time you get an inkling of Aaron actually knowing more than other people do. Mm, Because that's when, I can't remember, it might have been Kelly, his wife, or it might have been... um, the sister they go we're supposed to pull this out right mm, like that's mm-hmm. what you do when somebody's stabbed you pull it out she's like no 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 no. you, you put pressure yeah. on it you don't pull it out yeah she saved all their asses she saved their moment. asses on multiple occasions yeah. especially they were all like when that uh, when uh ty west's character tyreek first got the arrow through the head <laughs> which i love that scene so much because mm-hmm. like they're so wrapped up in their petty family fight Yep. They don't even notice a window's been broken. And somebody has an arrow in their head. <laughs> exactly. That's how loud the bickering is. Oh, my God. But, yeah, after that happened, they were, like, prancing all over in front of the windows. Mm-hmm. Just, like, no clue. And Aaron was the one that pulled them down. Yep. I love this scene, though. Like, Ty West is one of my favorite directors. He did uh, The House of the Devil, The Sacrament. He's great. Um I love his cameo at the dinner table uh, because he is playing an underground film director. Who has made one documentary. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I've only made one documentary. (laughs) And uh, Drake kind of like, you know, I don't know. I don't think it's malicious exactly, but he just kind of starts questioning him like, well, it's an underground film. Do you show them actually underground? <laughs> and I was wondering if you could, because um, I get this a lot as a comedian. You know, uh-huh. people are like, oh, you do the comedy. <laughs> when are you going to be on HBO? Or, you know, just like something insanely <laughs> stupid like that. And I, But I have to think, like, you as a dominatrix yeah. must get that, like, ten times worse. Like, <laughs> do you have any awkward um, interactions like let that? Let me think about that. I'm sure I do. Mm-hmm. I know that, you know, every now and then you get the people who are like, God, you must really hate men. Oh, no, really? And it's like, oh, no, no. You kind of have to love men. If you hate them, you, you wouldn't be very good at your job. You really have to have to like people. But, you know, so that one comes up a lot. What else have people said? Because people do say you know, dumb stuff. They don't usually mean to be, you know, insensitive, but they are. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, there's a lot of, and this every now and then I'll get from clients, which I'm not crazy about. Like, wow, how'd you end up doing this? Like, wait, you went to school too? God, you're so smart. It's like, mm. well, yeah, I'm smart. You know, I made a decision to do this career. I have a master's degree. Doesn't mean I wanted to go a particular route. Mm-hmm. I wanted to be a dominatrix. Mm-hmm. You know, God, do your parents know what you do? Yep, yep, they do. They're cool with it. That's awesome. They've, they've come and hung out at the dungeon with me. Wow, that's really cool. You know, it's not, I wouldn't say that my experience is typical, but mm-hmm. yeah, when somebody is surprised that I'm educated or intelligent, that that's probably the most offensive thing, Yeah. in all honesty. Do you think that just like stems out of the stigma we have with sex work in this country? Yeah, oh, I'm sure. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, absolutely. 
Yeah, I mean, like, how would they not think you're intelligent? You have to run your own business and, like, create a scene for them and yeah. be an actress. Like, that's a lot of work. Uh, thank you. Thank you very much. You're welcome. <laughs> There's a lot of work going on there. No, I actually had a, an interesting interaction with um, somebody who had been giving me kind of a hard time um, near the dungeon. And he came and apologized to me for, you know, having been rude for several years whenever I saw him. He said, "Oh, I didn't. I didn't realize that you like have have a master's degree and that you you teach classes on on sex education. And I teach one workshop about um, positive sexuality for people who are survivors of sexual abuse. And I do that a lot in nonprofit agencies and stuff. I do a lot of different education pro- projects. Mm-hmm. And he's like, oh, I just found out that you did this. You know, like, whoa, I didn't. I didn't know you did all this good stuff too. It's like, what? Like, so I, I don't matter if I am only a sex worker. Wow. But if I have education and if I do something that you deem valuable, suddenly you're going to give me respect. Mm-hmm. And this is a young person too, which was really disappointing. Mm-hmm. You know, it wasn't somebody who you might chalk it up to. Well, their generation might have not been quite as enlightened about sex worker isn't that the worst when you meet a bigoted young person (laughs) he was younger than me which really like and straight out of art school what i know i was like really buddy you gotta have some sex worker friends yeah i was Uh, so nervous i was like i hope i don't ask her anything stupid oh no 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 (laughs) no it's usually just folks who either you know think they already know it all or who are just general assholes whoever say anything Mm. bad i don't mind answering answering questions so I was also curious, uh, are there any scenes in particular that really shocked you, like when you were re-watching it, that made oh. you like cover your face again? <laughs> yeah, well, the the Kim with her neck and the wire, oh, yeah. that, that really did make me cover my head. Um, mm-hmm. And there was something else that was really bad, too. I don't know, any time blood flies up onto the wall, or I think it might have been the mother when she got killed... There's a big splash of blood that went up onto the wall, and then oh, they wrote yeah. with the blood. Didn't their writing look so nice? It too? did. It was very stylized. <laughs> I don't think I could make it look that. That nice. was the one thing I watched in the credits, and I guess um, the blood going up on the the glass where it said "You're next" written in blood mm-hmm. um, was animation, and they cited the animators oh, who did that and stuff, which I, I thought was neat. That. You know, oh. I didn't notice it the first time around either, so. I guess that was very deliberately chosen, <laughs> the font that they wrote the your next in on the two different windows that it was, or one window and then uh, a wall that yeah. it was written on. Very nice pen. And you know, I looked at it and I commented to the person I was watching it with, you know, wow, they even put the apostrophe in the right place for your yeah. next. <laughs> they, they had that moment to have attention to grammar. <laughs> Articulate with their grammar. Uh, yeah, I was impressed by that. Yeah, I get, uh, for me... The scene that always jumps out the most is the kitchen scene. <gasps> yes! Oh. Oh, God. oh, God. The blender was a little gratuitous. I have to... Yeah. Yeah. I love during that, Z was just in the corner, like, throwing up. <laughs> That's probably what I would do in that situation. Well, I think she had just gotten, like, a karate chop to the throat oh, yeah. at that point. So she couldn't... I, I think that's what has happening. But no, there was something else then. Oh, Towards the beginning of the home invasion, Aaron sets a pot of either water or oil to boil. And you go, oh, yeah, she's totally going to use that on people. That is really smart. I'm, like, piling that away in the back of my head for the zombie apocalypse. And at some point, she turns it off. And so they end up in the kitchen having a big fight. And she grabs the pot and throws it on it on Felix. And he goes, what the fuck? That's not even hot. 
You know, so I like that it wasn't perfect either. Yeah. You know, she wasn't just uh, some superhero. She she had her moments. Yeah. I enjoyed those flaws as well. And I liked when the characters, like, talk to each other in ways uh-huh. that I haven't seen a lot in horror movies. Like what? Uh, well, I think in, like, particular, like, when Drake comes out of the, uh, like, his... He wakes up from being passed out. Yeah. And he just like walks into this room with Aaron and the murderer going at it. And he's like, hey. Oh, hey. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> like, oh, shit. He's going to be killed real quick. Oh, yeah. You know what? I, we make it sound, I think, a little... I think we make it sound a little funnier than it actually was. I think it was a little bit more serious than... I did laugh really hard yeah, last time. Okay. I'm a sick person. I don't know. <laughs> you're, you're terribly sick. Oh, but it was that point where I'm like, oh, I like Drake. He's just an idiot. He really is. He's just a big idiot. And then I guess um, the conversation between uh, Crispin and um, uh, Aaron at the end. He's uh-huh. like, you're just really good at killing. <laughs> How did, I didn't know you're just really good at killing people. <laughs> moments too where I was like that's hilarious and weird to say yeah I mean anything as soon as you step back and and say it it sounds unbelievably hilarious but it was it was was somewhat dark too like I said I didn't really even think it was a comedy I'm like I thought there was something (laughs) wrong with me for thinking it was funny I'm glad you did find her it's funny oh and you're not just God. staring at me like I'm an awful person. Oh, no, no. Oh, I, I put needles in people and make them bleed for a living. It's really oh, well, yeah. not that. <laughs> We're on the same page. Yes. Yeah, I did. And that's one thing I loved about the song so much. I felt like that really like highlighted the weird, uncomfortable moments. Yes. And put you in a place where you weren't sure how to feel, which is what a lot of the conversation yeah. did as well. Well, there are a few of those, there were a good number actually of those kind of jump, I, there's a name for it, like the jump moments where you actually jump out of your seat. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, and that that's the worst for me. I really hate being startled by anything. Mm-hmm. I can handle lots of intensity and, you know, even gore. But but when I jump, I, I empathize too much when I watch movies in mm-hmm. general. And so I will be like crawling up my seat as stuff like that happens. <laughs> Anyone who's watched a movie with me knows this, you know, mm-hmm. so my hands like dig into their arm. I really, I feel for these characters so mm-hmm. much. I think it might be the, the same reason I ended up in social work. It's like, oh my God, I'm feeling for you. I, I feel oh, yeah. all that. I'm exhausted after watching a movie mm-hmm. because, oh my God, I'm going through all that with you. I don't know, maybe it's just, it's a very cathartic thing. Who do you think thing. you felt it most with in this movie? Mm. I mean, probably Aaron, but I don't know if I sat mm-hmm. down and thought about it. Who knows? Maybe I felt it strongly with somebody else, too, that I'm not even thinking. Oh, about. that scene that where she pulls the glass off her <gasps> leg. That was rough. Ah! That was really rough. Mm. Mm-hmm. I'm thinking about that right now. Because it was a deep piece of glass, too. Yeah. It was It was not a little shred. I thought that was brilliant of her, though, the fact that she even jumped out a window to get away from the home invaders at one oh, point. Because yeah. you're looking like, how is she going to get out of this? She, I don't think she has a weapon that's going to, you know... Suffice, and she looks and she jumps out a second story window. I know. I was like, when she did that, it's like, I was like She's you, so bad. you're such a badass. <laughs> <laughs> Granted, she sprains her leg and has a giant piece of glass in her thigh. Oh yeah. But she made it out alive. Yeah. Well, and then what about the end of it when the police finally show up? Oh, wrong place, wrong time. I know. She she has, I don't know if she has a knife in her hand. This is after she stabs Crispin, mm-hmm. and. You don't know it, but the police have pulled up and they've drawn their guns 
she looks like a violent offender with blood all over herself yeah. and a, you know, a knife ready to probably stab Crispin again, if I remember. Mm-hmm. And they shoot her. Yeah. <laughs> And I was like, I kind of felt some symbolism there in the aspect of like, you know, when an abused person does finally mm. fight back and then they're like portrayed as this monster. I know. You know. We're like, we don't know the whole story. Yep. And uh, I felt that really hard with Aaron at the yeah. end. Yeah. I mean, and granted, she was still, she was still alive. They shot her in the shoulder. Mm-hmm. And once she realized the police officer was going to enter through the front door and get an ass in the face which she had rigged for the next wow. time the home invaders came in <laughs> she tried to stop him like mm-hmm. you know with these last gasps that she had but that's when the movie ends so i guess we just assume that the police officer got an axe in the face yeah, yeah. i feel like they kind of ended it in a like a quirky way like yeah ah, you're next <laughs> <laughs> oh and actually with the credits at the very end they had pictures of all of the people involved mm-hmm in in this crime scene and it had a diagram in the background of each like it had a polaroid picture of the dead body i think mm-hmm. with all of them except for aaron who was alive and they said suspect written at the bottom of her polaroid oh i missed that cool. it was really cool and then i looked in the background and it looked like um you know like a clue board where it had the outline of the room and a big x where that person's body had fallen it was a really oh. cool um cool series of uh pictures at the end Ah. I'd say anyone who's going to watch the movie, watch it all the way to the end. That was really neat. Nice. You know, I did. I saw the pictures, but I guess I just didn't uh, look. I didn't deeply. see the the thing behind yeah. them the first time. Yeah. Is there any other uh, things that jumped out at you mm. that you wanted to discuss? This is why I live in the city and not the country. Oh my god! I want to have too. a cell signal at all points in time. <laughs> uh, being out in the middle of nowhere does kind of scare me. Mm-hmm. I really, really like being in Chicago. <laughs> I grew up in the country. I mean, I grew up in the city. Mm-hmm. And then when I was like around 12, we moved to the country. Oh. And like my mom just didn't understand like why it was terrifying to me. Like, really? Why yeah. was it terrifying to you? Oh, because no one can hear you. <laughs> <laughs> Nobody can hear you if you scream. Yeah. <laughs> it's like space. Oh. Um, but yeah, and just the fact, you know, like rural areas are way creepier, I think. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, that house was crazy creepy when they first entered. There's just so many things about that house. Oh. <laughs> Sorry, I'm just, I'm just shaking here going, oh, that was really creepy. <laughs> it was. It, and it was like tension right from the very beginning. Mm-hmm. Like they thought someone had been in the house. So mom came up with the master plan of like, oh no, dad came up with the master plan of you wait in the yard. <laughs> <laughs> I know. It just sounded like such a bad idea as soon as he said it out loud. No, you wait outside. Because you heard a noise in the house. And I'll get murdered upstairs, and then, yeah. and then you come in later. Yeah. Oh, God. <laughs> it was not a very good parent plan. But I think it was just, you know, the dad trying to, like, pretend and be macho mm-hmm. for his wife. I think so. And then there was kind of that interesting bit that they threw in on, in the beginning, when Crispin and Aaron were driving over, and Crispin discloses something to Aaron for the first time, that... His dad actually made all this money as a defense contractor. Oh, yeah. And so, you know, they were having um, dinner with, quote, the enemy. Mm-hmm. You know, could Aaron handle that? And I was like, hmm, Aaron's hiding something from you too, buddy. <laughs> <laughs> She's not telling you everything. How long have you guys been going out? I feel like that should have come up at some point. Yeah. You know, how long have they been together if she had not told him where she grew up? Yeah. I feel like I'd be telling everybody that. Hey, yeah. you, you know where I grew up until I was, what, I think 12? Do you know how many different ways I could kill you? <laughs> like, 
I, you know what? I, as simple as it was, I loved her technique of putting nails through boards and putting them in front of the windows mm-hmm. for if somebody stepped through the window. That was, I don't know, something delightfully simple about mm-hmm. that. I and know. that did feel real Home Alone. Oh, yeah. <laughs> very Home Alone. I found that scene today. I was walking through a parking lot that has the tire spikes. Oh. Like, oh, yeah. The movies. <laughs> Oh, and I don't know any, I have to look up what else that actress has been in, because I think I would watch anything she's in. Yeah, she's actually, she had a, um, I was researching her a little bit, she mm-hmm. had a, like a girl pop band in Australia. No, yeah. really? <laughs> yep. And she was an Australian soap star. And, oh, really? Uh, I think she has a few other movies, but not a whole lot. I was looking at her going, God, she looks like somebody else famous, and she looks just like uh, Rashida Jones. I was thinking that, too, during the whole movie. Mm-hmm. I just imagined uh, Anne from Parks yes, and Rec. Yes, exactly. It was like <laughs> Anne from Parks and Rec just went crazy. I did enjoy that aspect of it. <laughs> With a blender. <laughs> oh, the, uh, where's Felix? I killed him with a blender. I killed him with a blender. <laughs> Yeah, her voice then was so phenomenal. Oh, yeah. It was like a... And she dressed just like Anne from Parks and Rec, now that you mentioned her. Yeah. Whoa. Maybe that's what they were going for. I need to watch this again. (laughs) (laughs) I've watched it twice the past two days. I'm like, it's for research. Oh, God, yes. It's a great movie. I went to look, and they don't have it on Netflix. I had to, you know, buy it. They did for a while, they they took it off. Yeah. I had to end up buying it on demand. I'm like, that $5 well spent. I would spend that again. Mm -hmm. I love that movie. It was great. Uh, any final thoughts on your next? On your next? Oh, watch it if you haven't seen it. It's yeah. so good. So good. Watch it again. I'm going to watch it again. Let me know if you want to watch it. Yeah, just put it on repeat, just like the song. Oh. I try not to watch scary movies when I'm staying at the dungeon. You know, if I'm like oh, doing do something like mindless. No, I have, well, I have my, like my iPad. I'll watch Netflix oh, yeah, yeah. on there sometimes when I'm doing mindless cleaning and things. Um, or listening to podcasts. I listen to podcasts at the dungeon a lot, but I have a rule that I do not watch scary things when I am alone at the dungeon because I got to tell you, it's a really creepy place to, to be alone. It is called you the dungeon. Know. Yeah. It is called the dungeon. <laughs> if you come there sometimes, it's not too creepy, but as soon as like lights are off in the majority of the rooms, there's lots of shadows. It, it mm. is a, I know every inch of that place, but it still creeps me out mm-hmm. to be there alone sometimes. Don't watch this at a dungeon alone is the moral of the story, people. <laughs> Invite people to your dungeon. Invite people to your dungeon and then watch it. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> so um, this will probably come out in like a week mm-hmm. if you have any um, like fun things Ooh. happening or projects. Or I know you mentioned you're going to be in Austin. Yeah, this coming weekend I'm going to be in Austin, Texas for a conference called Ropecraft, which is all, all rope bondage Ooh. that I'm really looking forward to. Um, but the next time I travel will be, I believe, in May. I'm going to be going out to Los Angeles. So anyone listening in Los Angeles who wants to see me, I will be out there in mid-May for DomCon, the the biannual dominatrix convention. Cool. Because there is such a thing. Yeah, I didn't know that existed. <laughs> That's awesome. Every occupation's got to have a convention. Cool. And your website again is? LadySophia.com. S-O-P-H-I-A. Yeah, make Please sure visit you it. check it out. Visit her website. Learn about everything great that she does. Oh, and I do private instruction with people. That's something else I forgot to mention, but I do that a lot. What is so, that? So 
um, either individuals or couples will come in and spend an hour or two with me on a particular subject. I'll show them kind of hands-on how to do things. So That is so cool. Bondage, spanking. One of my specialties is plastic wrap suspension. Um, just really cool stuff that otherwise, you know, where do you learn how to do this stuff safely? Yeah. You know, I consider so. myself really sex positive and I had not even heard of half these things. <laughs> <laughs> There's so much more out there. <laughs> I am always learning new stuff too. It is so exciting. But folks who want to learn some BDSM basics can always contact me and um, yeah, it's great fun. That's very cool. I appreciate you having me on here. Yeah. It's been a blast. It's been really Thank fun. Thank you. Uh, so that was Lady Sophia. I'm Kristen Ryan and this has been Bloody Mary. Have a good night.